Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Trent, this has turned in now to a, a very interesting story Did because reports coming out of Los Angeles uh, from the Los Angeles the Police Department indicated that Tom Petty had passed away. Well, those reports had been refuted. The L- LA- LAPD had never said that. A news organization ran with it, though, even though it wasn't confirmed. Oh, so essentially what we now know is Tom Petty is on life support and still alive in a hospital, correct? Yes, that's where we are right now. Remains hospitalized in uh, Los Angeles after being found uh, unconscious and in cardiac arrest at his Malibu home Sunday. That is from the Los Angeles County Fire Department telling uh, USA Today there were initial reports from CBS and TMZ that he had died. And now uh, that is not the case. He is still clinging to life right now, uh, though there are reports, no brain activity, and a possibility that he is uh, still clinging to life right now. Regardless, certainly sad news, Jimmy B. Uh, a sad way yes. to to get things started here. Just, just an awful day overall with, uh, of course, what happened in Las Vegas and here today. I, I know. Yeah, this, is, this has been a tough Monday. It really has with the Vegas tragedy and then Tom Petty. So we'll t- uh, we've got another hour. We'll try to uh, cheer you up a little bit and uh, and do a little uh, sports conversation for you. We still have Zoom Mahente on the way, and Trent and Wolfgang then will get together after that. Uh, Trent, if memory serves me correctly, you and I both picked Michigan State to defeat Iowa. Is that correct? You got it. Yep, absolutely. But we did not expect it to look as bad as it did. Oh, I did. I mean, that's that's. You did really? Well, yeah, that's how they played, Jim. I mean, that's that's Iowa, Michigan State. That's exactly yeah. how I expected it to look. That set football back a hundred years. I'm I'm telling you, I kept waiting for leather helmets to come out. It was so bad. Have man, you watched oh, man. those teams play before, Jim? Well, I have, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Whatever happened to the 32-28 game? I'd like to see that for, you know, that would be in a lot of fun. No, yeah. Man, those, oh, those man, was that back, bad. No, no, not when those two teams get together. No, that was that was tragic. That was just awful football. Uh, speaking of which, however, uh, you railed on me on Friday because I had gone 5-0, and and then you said, well, our picks are probably just going to blow up. Uh, how did you do on your selections, my man? Well, stop lying to the people. You didn't go 5-0 and the week before. That was two weeks previous. You went 3-2 and last week, Jim. Oh, I thought it was 5-0 and last no, week. No, 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 no. See, of course, it's always easy when you just pick and choose the weeks that you do good to all of a sudden ah. talk about your record, Jimmy B. What? what but I still, had a, I still had a winning record last week. You did. You did have a winning record. Okay. You went 3-2. and I mean, do you want me to go back and, and talk about your picks from last year? I can do that. No, you know. not at all. No, no I'm I, just talking about what, hey, over the weekend, you and I made selections. People would have made money if they would have listened to us. That's what I'm driving at here. And they would have lost money if they would have followed you last year. I'm not giving you I'm not giving you an attaboy. That's that's not happening, Jimmy B. <laughs> no, I no, went no. four and one. You went I went four, four and one. Congratulations, you went four and one. You know what that gets you? Nothing, because you yeah. don't even bet, Jim. You don't even bet. So that means absolutely nothing. You pull some games out of the backside. That's all you got. And you want people to 
to kowtow to you, the, this great prognosticator. Jimmy B, you went 48% last year. Let's slow down here on how awesome you're doing. You're finally a game above me on the year. You finally passed mm-hmm. me in the standings. You're 16-8-1. Yes. and one. I'm 15-9-1. and one. Great records against the spread, but it is a yes. long, long season. Let, let's slow down from uh, slapping each other on the back and talking about how great we are. It's a long, long year, Jimmy B. Now, if this is still up there, if you're still hitting 67% when we get into playoff time for the NFL, then I'll yes. start congratulating you. There is no award <laughs> for September picks, Jimmy B. There is nothing that you, you don't walk away with the trophy for doing well in September. It's a long, long season. I can't even get a happy meal? No. Not even that? Well, if you wow. bet, you could. If you would have bet your picks like, but we know you're too cheap to even do that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Well, hey, look. Hey, when I lost, I did buy you lunch when I when we made the lunch yeah, bet. Get out of here with that garbage, too. I've, I've heard that enough taco. of that one. That taco. Yes. I, I know. I've heard enough of that one. How about the NFL? Uh, you know. Okay. I'm going to ask this to Zubin. Is anybody good? We'll we'll see. We'll see. Kansas. Let's move Kansas City aside, the last undefeated team. Is okay. anybody that you feel is a good football team right now? Name me a good football team. A really good football team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, aside from KC. Right. I Take them out of the equation. They're the only undefeated. Yeah. Left. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that the Lions I, I'm not, are a real good team? No, they're just, they're, 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 they're okay. They're inches away uh, from being undefeated. They're a bad call. Yeah, I know they are. Getting screwed yeah, for being 4 0. But yeah. I, I don't yeah. feel like they're some kind of excellent team. Do you feel great about Carolina? Pittsburgh? I, 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 no. Pittsburgh? Not, no. They no. lost. They lost to the Bears. They, they lost yeah. to the Bears. Go through these teams and try to find somebody you're excited. There are big time warts, and you know it's been a long talking point for years and years that you know, Roger Goodell and the NFL they just want a season where everybody goes eight and eight. Maybe this is the year because there are <laughs> not a whole lot of good teams around there. New England that defense can't get off the field. Teams are slowing right. the game down against them. Tom Brady's not the problem. You know, that's what we were waiting for is when the other shoe was going to drop with Brady and age was going to catch up with him. That hasn't been the case. It's been their defense looks slow. They look unorganized. They look terrible out there. Mm-hmm. I, frankly, and, and I, Kansas City, doesn't it? They got Eric Fisher who's dinged up out there. We know about the injury right. with Eric Berry. Even if they win tonight, I don't know if they're a great team. Maybe this is the year, Jimmy B. Everybody just stacked up. Everybody goes 8-8. Eight and eight. And then we come down to uh, playoff determined by a bunch of uh, tiebreakers that nobody knows. Uh, who, yeah, I know. We'll all be scratching our head going like, this is like the 10th tiebreaker. Yeah. This is unbelievable. How did this happen? Um, I'm with you, Trent. And I, I think it'll be interesting tonight because I think Washington had that really nice win over the Raiders mm-hmm. and, and, showed, and showed me something in that game. Kansas City at Arrowhead. The place will be just bumping tonight. We know that. And so from that standpoint, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs come out and handle the pass rush, which the Washington Redskins can do, and we'll see how Alex Smith and company deal with that. It's it's going to be a wild game tonight. I, I can't wait for this game. Yeah, a little bit of scoring. Maybe the Redskins are decent. We'll see about that. That'll come your way. Six o'clock with the pregame show. Kick at seven twenty-five Monday Night Football, and we have you covered with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mitch Holtis 
We'll take the airwaves at 6 o'clock with the pregame show here on 1700. Coming up next, though, we'll go into a national look at things. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. He's going to stop by, Jimmy B. we got a lot of things to talk about, Zubin. We're going to talk some NFL. we got baseball. Maybe a little college football with Zubin. Always a good conversation, isn't it? I'm, I'm always uh, having fun when Zubin's on the uh on the on the show it's, it's going to be a good time and he is coming up next everybody zuba mahente from espn will be our guest it's right here on the big talker 1700 sunday night monday night and thursday night football from westwood one only on 1700 kbgg Kate here with Food Dudes Delivery. Are you tired of the same old delivery options? Well, Food Dudes Delivery can solve that problem for you. We deliver for restaurants that don't do delivery. Order through us at fooddudesdelivery.com. Food Dudes Delivery offers commercial and residential delivery service along with the option to pre-order. Our delivery rate is always a flat fee, so whether you're ordering $15 for yourself or $300 for a party, it's going to be the same flat fee. We deliver all throughout the metro area, always keeping your food hot and fresh. Food Dudes Delivery has a vast range of food options for you to choose from. So place your order for lunch today, dinner tonight, or your office tomorrow at fooddudesdelivery.com. Sponsored by Kitta. How old are your fire alarms? Replace today with Kitta's worry-free alarms. Get 10 years of power and no low battery chirps. Kitta, technology that saves lives. When you're hungry for great food, a tasty cocktail, or a good glass of wine, a friendly atmosphere and fast attentive service, remember Jesse's Embers at 3301 Ingersoll Avenue. Open Monday through Saturday for dinner and Monday through Friday for lunch beginning at 11 a.m. Jesse serves just about everything, including some of the best steaks you've ever tasted. Cooked on an open grill. Located right inside, the smells are fabulous. And Marty or Dina stop to check on your meal. And the bartenders, well, they're on your side. Jesse Zembers on Ingersoll. Just are you going to the Central Iowa Business Conference on October 11th? It's a day focused on helping Central Iowa businesses master their processes and accelerate their success. I'm Todd McDonald from ATW Training Solutions. My team and I will be attending because we know that in order to move forward, you sometimes need to take a step back, look at where you are and where you want to go. October 11th is one of those days for us. We're looking forward to hearing from nationally recognized authors that are excited to help Central Iowa companies. One of those authors is Gino Wickman, author of the best-selling book, Traction. We've seen the success of his Traction concepts not only in our own business, but many of the companies we work with. We're also looking forward to hearing from Vicki Halsey, co-author of the book, Legendary Service, because we know how important it is to take care of our customers. If you're looking to master your business, come learn from the experts. The Central Iowa Business Conference is presented by EO Iowa and Mediacom. For more information, visit centraliowabusinessconference.com or contact the Urbandale Chamber of Commerce. Are you in the mood for real, classic, homemade Italian food? Well, I have the spot for you. It's Villaggio. Two locations. The newest location in Urbandale, 2675 100th Street. The original in Norwalk. Classic dishes like cavatelli, spaghetti, lasagna, and vodka rigatoni. Top-notch pizza and awesome sandwiches. A great happy hour and Italian done right. Villaggio. that time of the year again. Football is right around the corner. Draft House 50, best spot in Central Iowa to catch your Cyclones, Hawkeyes, and every NFL game. Over 50 TVs, 50 beers on tap, and the best burgers in town. Draft House 50, your place for all things sports. 
Since 1993, Wolf Construction has been Des Moines' choice for residential and commercial roofing. From complete re-roofing to small leaks, call Wolf Construction at 225-8866 for your roofing needs. Call 225-8866 to set up your roofing consultation or online at wolfconstruction.net. That's wolfconstruction.net for Wolf Construction. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, wolfconstruction.net. Hey, it's Trent Condon here from Jimmy B and TC. If you've been talking and thinking about improving your health, I have an idea for you. Do what I did. Call New Leaf Wellness. My weight had been increasing, my endurance during workouts was waning, and I was just feeling sluggish. New Leaf Wellness put together a program to help me lose weight, improve my energy, and they can do the same for you. Call New Leaf Wellness today at 515-650-1358 to schedule a free, no-obligation consultation. That's 515-650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness. And tell them TC sent you. Real sports talk for real sports fans. It's Jimmy B and TC. Here's Jim and Trent. All right, everybody, welcome back as we continue on. And then we get you set for the big Monday night football game. The Chiefs undefeated. This is going to be a lot of fun. You'll hear it as soon as our show uh, concludes at 6 o'clock. A lot of fun tonight with the Chiefs and the Washington Redskins. We say hello now to Zubin Mahente, ESPN. He joins us on the Draft House 50 hotline. Zubin, are you ready for some football? Thank you for the company plug, Jim. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is an interesting situation because, you know, I just believe that sometimes with Alex Smith, I don't know what this says about you. Like, let's say you had a guy at your office that was always a good performer. Anybody in your listening audience, whatever you do for a living for your vocation, they're pretty good at what they did, very dependable, very reliable, your office version of a game manager, right, which I'm sure is a dirty label that Smith hurts, but it's one that's been given to him. And that person was great. And then they brought in, like, a younger employee that basically said, you know, this young guy, he's a multitasker, and I know you're a little older, so you're only used to doing one thing at a time. Boy, this young kid could help us develop our website. He's great with the apps. He's got a ton of energy. He'll work for less money. And then suddenly that reliable employee <laughs> becomes, like, your employee of the year. And I kind of feel like, because he's getting pushed, and I kind of feel like that's what's happening with Alex Smith. I don't think it's coincidental that the second they said, we're trading up, not just drafting a quarterback, we're trading up to get this quarterback, the clock starts ticking or you turn the hourglass over and you're waiting for the sand to run out on the Alex Smith tenure. Now, he's making that as difficult as humanly possible for them with the way he's playing. And as I think I may have said on your show or someone else's show last week, at the end of the day, this may be a win-win for everybody. Smith can go to another team next year, which he essentially said he's going to end up doing. He can go on a high note. This young kid can sit and wait and develop and learn just a little bit before you give the reins to him and don't pull a Trubisky where you throw him in in week five asking the kid to sink or swim like the Bears are doing. Um, but it's just amazing. I don't think the timing is coincidental that they drafted this kid and suddenly Smith is throwing the ball down the field and doing all this stuff that people said he couldn't do before. I'm not indicating that he wasn't operating at a full level beforehand, but I just find it very interesting that he's having this sort of year when he absolutely positively knows, barring something incredible, that he's done in Kansas City at the end of the season. Zubin, we'll see tonight, Kansas City and Washington, just how good this uh, Chiefs team is. If, if you put them in the good category, but the NFL as a whole, you know, Atlanta's inches away from being 1-3 and three right now. 
The Patriots sit at two and two. You go across the league. Who's good? Well, I think the other one I wanted to add to this, and I think uh, maybe I'm reading Jim's mind here, but uh, a drop pass in the Buffalo Bills are four and zero. Yeah, you know, so that's another one <laughs> yeah. I'd add to that equation. I don't know if Buffalo is truly four and zero. I do definitely think uh, from talking to our Bills reporter Mike Rodak, who's a good young kid, uh, covers the team every day of the year. For people that think culture and fit and intangibles, all that stuff is overrated, all those coaching cliches, I think the Buffalo Bills would be a prime example uh, to show that that stuff is absolutely positively uh, real. Because I kind of feel like he has really changed just the way the mentality is. And I think it's fair to say that they probably aren't operating with the quarterback that they would like. There's been a little bit of animosity even between Tyrod Taylor and the Bills front office in terms of what he was going to be paid. And there was a dalliance with leaving and all that sort of stuff. So right now, to me, um, Trent, one of the more interesting stories is Buffalo, not because they're 3-1 and one or not because they looked impressive here in back-to-back weeks or won at the home of the defending NFC champions. It's because they're doing it without the optimal player at quarterback. You see, that's interesting. So, for example, look at a team like the Rams, also like Buffalo 3-1, and one, but for better or for worse, and right now it looks like it's better. Last year it looks like it was worse. They're rolling with the quarterback that they have. That's their guy. They're going to play this golf. They drafted him there. He looks like he's developing. Buffalo is interesting because they're 3-1, and one, and it's the most important position on the field. I don't think they feel like they have the right answer or the answer that they would want long-term. Yet despite all of that, they're 3-1. and one. The team they played yesterday, I mean, Matt Ryan has turned into an MVP candidate to a turnover machine. Like, I don't know what, mm-hmm. what's happened to him through the first four weeks of the season. So I think the sample size is very small. Coach Gruden, John Gruden used to say this all the time, it's a very football cliche, but it does bear fruit. And that is, you don't really know much about your team until you're four games in. And I think Philip Rivers in his helmet, if you saw that video yesterday, I think you know exactly what he feels about his team. They're 0-4, the 25th anniversary of the NFL's only 0-4 team making the playoffs. That was the 92 Chargers. So if anything right. that Philip Rivers could take solace in, uh, it's that. But I'm mostly impressed uh, by Buffalo because I don't think they're doing it the way they thought they'd do it, whereas all the other teams that are overachieving – the Texans knew Watson was going to be great. Now everybody's finding out what they thought was right. Uh, the Rams gambled on golf. Buffalo, I just don't think, is playing the way they want to yet, and things are working out, and I think that's a great sign. Once they get to where they want to be, who knows? They've got the NFL's longest playoff drought, haven't made it since 99. The last playoff game was the Music City Miracle, for the listeners that are old enough to remember that. So uh, I think that's a very intriguing team for, to keep an eye on. Zubin Mahente is our guest. He's on the Draft House 50 hotline, Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Zubin, uh, your network tonight says they will not show the national anthem. The protests were much less uh, on Sunday than what we saw, obviously, the previous Sunday. When I was broadcasting games for the network, and we did, we, we never showed the anthem in football or basketball. So this is really nothing new, but is the network getting flack for not doing this, or is it just sort of now looked over like, okay, fine? It's very hard to say because, as you know, this issue is extremely passionate and extremely individual. I was watching the Baltimore game yesterday where I heard the public address announcer say some conciliatory words about diversity, about everybody being together, being harmonious statements that I think most people would agree with on the surface, and that got a loud round of applause from the crowd. 
literally moments later, players went out, took a knee, and the same crowd that was cheering the statement, I thought, gave a very loud boo, a very loud collective boo when I was watching the Baltimore game. So I think everybody has their individual opinion on this, even people that feel one way about something that moments beforehand gave a great cheer for a great statement of unity and compassion, togetherness, and a unifying force. That same group of people has the absolute right to voice their displeasure in a polar opposite way when the protest was taking place. And that was in one stadium with the same group of fans just seconds apart. That was a very interesting case study in my mind. So it's very difficult to say what any sort of extrapolation of this could be because it's such a singular issue. If you ask me my opinion and Trent's opinion and Jim's opinion and your first five callers, there's a likelihood that we would get eight different viewpoints, even though there's really only two sides. Are you against this? Mm -hmm. Are you for it? Reasoning tends to be different. Rationale, logic, personal experience. So I think it's very difficult to tell. I think in light of what we saw last week, before the Monday night game between Dallas and Arizona, when it had reached a fever pitch after President Trump's comments on Friday, and then the reaction we saw last Sunday, you knew there would be a statement on Monday. Also remember, Monday Night Football, as you well know, is a singular event. If anybody's playing Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS or Fox, there's a handful of games also being played at that very same moment, marginalizing, regionalizing, and fracturing the audience a little bit. If you're watching the Colts and the Seahawks on NBC or the Redskins and the Chiefs on ESPN, that is the only football game on in that particular moment. And in those two particular cases, there's no baseball to contend with yesterday. There's no baseball to contend with today. So the sports fans' singular appetite, there's no NBA, there's no NHL, the singular appetite was on those two moments last night. So it's going to be a little bit exacerbated because the sports fans' attention is over there. But, Jim, I think it's hard to answer from a collective standpoint because I think we found this is such a personally intense issue for so many mm-hmm. people. So I think it's very hard to give a general answer. Talking right now, Zubin Mahete, ESPN, with us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Zubin, you mentioned baseball, so i got to bring it up. I might only have a day to do it. My Minnesota <laughs> Twins are in the playoffs, yeah. a one-game wild card against the Yankees. Irvin Santana on the bump for the Twinkies. Hey, they've been terrible throughout the years against the Yanks. We know this. A one-game scenario. I don't think you could draw it up much better than that. Certainly would rather see him in one game as opposed to a series. Yeah, you know, the one thing I love about this, and I know you're a Twins guy, the one good thing about playing the Yankees is that the Twins, who I feel, are actually, you can have, there's great stories. I mean, if Verlander takes the Astros to the World Series after what's happened to that city, 57 years of waiting, him coming at the last second to swoop in, he's looked as dominant as any pitcher in baseball in his short stint with the Astros. That's a great story. Arizona lost 93 games. That's a great story. Getting Aaron Judge in the playoffs is a big shot for Major League Baseball. The Rockies making it for the first time since 2009. Great story. Tommy Lasorda just turned 90 the other day. Can the Dodgers give him a belated birthday present with the World Series? All those are great stories. But the best story of all, in my opinion, is the Minnesota Twins becoming the only team to ever lose more than 100 games in a season. There were 103 loss team last year, Trent, as you probably know, about your chagrin. And they ended up making the playoffs. No team in the history of the national pastime has done that. And for whatever reason... That story, even though I think that story is very simple to understand, it's not convoluted with statistics, that is one of the best stories in Major League Baseball in several years. They are managed by a Hall of Famer. Like, I don't know what more you want 
this story has not gotten the type of attention it should have. If any other team in a big market had made this sort of turnaround, and I understand the Twin Cities are a big market. You know what I mean, though. I'm mm-hmm. talking like New York, L.A., Chicago, Boston. If a team like that had done what the Twins had done, they would be talking about this one. You know, they'd be talking about this nonstop everywhere. But when you play the Yankees, you actually have a lot of attention on you, mostly because you're playing the Yankees. So this is a great opportunity for this story to be told to the casual baseball fan that doesn't really know the story or understand why they're so good or know anything about Buxton or Sano if he gets healthy or what the deal is with Santana. I think this is a great story because it's a story that needs to be told far more often. If you just said it was a blind resume, it's like, wow, what an amazing accomplishment. Um, I think they're not getting their due. But by playing the Yankees, the nation will be fixated, the baseball nation, not the whole nation at large. I think a lot of the nation has given up on baseball. But the baseball nation at large will be tuned in, and that's a great way to accentuate what they've done. I wish it stood on its own merits, but maybe just having it mentioned in conjunction with the Yankees uh, is big. You know, it's a great matchup. Severino's been throwing hard for them. It's a one-gamer. You know, the Yankees lost the one-gamer the last time they were in the wild-card playoff at home to Houston. So you never know what could happen, but... I'm just glad the Twins are finally getting their due, even if it's short-lived, as you said. Zub Mahente, our guest on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Zub, and quickly to college football before we let you go. Uh, we saw a performance out west from Stanford running back Love, but nobody is talking about it. Everybody's talking about Jaquan Barkley at Penn State and how he has taken over the, the Heisman race. Is it because... A, he at Penn State, and they're a top-five team, and they're undefeated. And B, is it because Stanford, out west, already has a couple of losses, so love basically is not going to get any love? Oh, I think it's the latter 100%. Um, they got destroyed by USC. Now, they lost to a San Diego State team that I think people on the surface would say, eh, you know, San Diego State. But they've been a very good team the last few years. One of the best teams in the Mountain West. Um, I think, believe it or not, 19th last week. I was actually speaking about San Diego State with Jesse Palmer the other day. They actually have a running back in this kid, Rashad Penny, who might be as good as Bryce Love. So I'll throw both of those guys into the mix, Ken. you got a guy that took over for Pumphrey, who's the NCAA's all-time leading rusher. He's running out of his mind. Bryce Love is running out of his mind at Stanford, replacing the great Christian McCaffrey. Jim, I would say combine these two guys, right? Combined okay. these two guys, arguably two of the best runners in the country, certainly mm-hmm. the two best runners on the West Coast, and combined they would not get the attention of Saquon Barkley. So I don't think it has anything to do with love. He's been tremendous. Um, I think Penny has been tremendous under the radar. I mean, remember, Pumphrey was the NCAA's all-time leading rusher, and until he broke the mark in the Las Vegas Bowl, people were like, wait, who is this guy? So think about that. Can you imagine, like, Ron Dane, like, in his last game, people are like, oh, who's Ron Dane again? No, no way, right? I mean, the profile is such that sometimes it adds up that way. I'm not sure it's a West Coast thing, but when you're supposed to contend for the college football playoff and you've got two losses before September is out, it's tough. Barkley also in a highlight-riddled society, which is how we watch everything now on our phones and everything, he's a highlight machine waiting to happen, as you guys unfortunately found out the hard way. But it's just one of those things where I just take nothing away from Saquon Barkley but I just think those two guys um, have both had incredible seasons. And it's not just love, it's that other kid. But I think we've grown to uh, appreciate this. You've got Nebraska fans in your audience that probably feel Sue should have won the Heisman, but what can he do to accrue stats? He can't put a ton of stats out there. He can't put a lot of great video out there. You know, it's been about 20 years 
Woodson felt, you know, Woodson edged Manning for the Heisman because Woodson was the first guy to be able to get out there and play both positions and have kicks and score touchdowns. And so from a visually stunning perspective, it's very hard to beat Saquon Barkley because he's so talented. But I wouldn't just throw love in there, Jim. I would throw in Penny and a lot of other guys that probably aren't getting the attention uh, they deserve. Zubin, uh, wake me up in January, Clemson, Alabama 3, or uh, is there going to be something else that happens here? It certainly looks like it, but remember, if we were talking at this time last year, and, I, and Trent, I would certainly bet on that for the trilogy, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, but there's a certain point last year where you said to yourself, ain't no way some team quarterback by Nate Peterman is going to go into Death Valley and win. And lo and behold, they did. Now, that didn't keep Clemson out of the playoff. It obviously didn't keep them from winning the national title. But I just think a lot of people are just expecting a collision course of unscathed teams. To my degree, Clemson's been more impressive. They've had to replace the greatest player in the history of the program. There's been very little, if no drop-off. Watson himself said he thinks Bryant is going to be better. Our Trevor Maddich has already said he's a better passer than Deshaun Watson ever was, which is a high bar considering I saw what Deshaun did yesterday. But, uh, you know, Trevor watches things extremely closely. He said that they had to go to Louisville, hard place to play, had to go to Lane Stadium, hard place to play, and they passed both tests with flying colors. So while I would, I would lean that way, Trent, I just think this is a situation where if we were talking last year, we'd look at Clemson's schedule and be like, boom, they're going to be undefeated again in the regular season, just like they were in 2015. Nobody saw the Pittsburgh game coming. Nobody saw Alabama losing to Mississippi twice in a row in 2014 and 2015. That happened. It didn't end up hurting Alabama at the end of the day when it came to the national title or at least getting into the playoffs. Um, but I think while it seems so easy to just pin them as meeting, I think we've just seen too much college football over the years to realize it's never that easy. Zoom, it's always good, pal, when we catch up with you. Enjoy the NFL game tonight, the Chiefs and the Washington Redskins. Thank you, man. You got it, guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Zubin. There you go, Zubin Mahente on the Draft House 50, Hotline Mills Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Always good stuff from Zubin. It always is, and uh, great catching up with him. Jimmy B., I'm going to let you uh, go home a little bit early tonight. What do you think? What? Really? Yeah, get how up. Did I, how, did, how did I score that? Get settled. Was I, I was nice to you over the weekend. I said nice right. things about you. Right, right. That, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm being nice to you. I'm letting you get out of here early. We'll bring Wolfgang in. You can get saddled okay. up at the bar tonight and get ready for uh, Chiefs Redskins. I'm good with that, pal. I'm gone. Later. <laughs> All right. We got coming up Wolfgang on the other side. We'll take you up until 6 o'clock, and then the Chiefs pregame show takes the airwaves at 6. All here on the Big Talker 1700 KBGG. Welcome back. It's Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. We take you home until 6 o'clock on drive time. It's always fun to welcome in our man Wolfgang to talk some Cyclones, talk some Hawkeyes, talk whatever else is rattling around in that brain of his. Wolfgang, what's going on? Oh, Trent, what a fun week, man. What a fun, fun week, Trent. Everybody is walking around with resting bee face. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of head scratching out there. As Iowa falls to uh, seventeen to ten to Michigan State, Iowa State falls seventeen to seven. I don't think anybody had those two teams combining for seventeen points between the two over the weekend. I don't, I don't even know where to begin, Trent. I, I'm so disappointed in both programs right now. Um, you depressed me last week when you brought this up. I believe you were the first person. You know, and I listen to a lot of radio, and I'm on Twitter quite a bit, and 
listen to TV and listen to my friends, you were, I think, really the first person that brought up how much pressure was on Iowa State, and that we have both talked about how much pressure is on Iowa. Iowa, is the season over after two games in the Big Ten? Mm. You could make that case. Mm. I'm going to try to pump people up because everybody's down right now. I think Iowa is a good team. Are they a great team? They're not. Um, are they going to have to probably go undefeated the rest of the way to win? Looking at Wisconsin's schedule, obviously Iowa's going to have to beat Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And then Wisconsin, looking at their schedule, they could lose to Michigan, which I think they will be probably an underdog. I'm not sure what you think on that. Um, so there's two losses there. But that means Iowa's got to, and I, that's reasonable, I think. But what's not reasonable is Iowa going to go undefeated the rest of the way. Right. Can they beat Wisconsin? They can. Can they beat Ohio State? I never pick Iowa to beat Ohio State. So it's like you go back and look at the Iowa season right now. Is it over? Is it over in terms of winning the West? It's pretty much over, but it's not totally over. If you look at Iowa State season right now, man, like I said, you're the first guy that brought that up and how much pressure was on Iowa State that I kind of missed because I always had Iowa State losing to Texas in this in this game. I always had that and still getting to six or six wins. I don't think I had them at seven, but I had them at six. So now they lose to Texas, and you sit here and look at this schedule trend for Iowa State. It's they're going to have to go four and four, like you said last week. They're not beating Oklahoma. They're beating Texas. There's one win at Texas Tech. You're a big fan of Texas Tech and have been before most people were. Uh, TCU, they're not winning at West Virginia, Oklahoma State, at Baylor, at Kansas State. So were they favored in one, maybe two games the rest of the way? Yeah, probably two. Probably two the rest of the way, and that's it. That's it. And even pulling an upset along there, that only gets you to five. It's... It's a difficult road, and for Iowa, you know, well, okay, give me a perspective here. You more sure. as a fan, we're both fans. I, I cheer for cheer for the team. I was cheering for Iowa State Thursday night. I want to see them get it done. But for the Hawkeyes, now with the likelihood of this team winning the division really out the door at 0-2, it's looking like kind of where we were in the preseason, you know, 6-6, 7-5 kind of year. Maybe they can scratch out an eight and four, but even with that, it's it, it, it leaves a lot here as we're sitting here on October second, and already it's oh boy, just another kind of ho hum kind of season. Yeah, maybe they'll make a bowl game. That'll be fun. I'm not going to go, but that'll be fun for the people that go, and <laughs> and that's about it. I, I mean, that that's out there right now. What do you have to look forward to, you as a fan? What are you looking forward to seeing with this Iowa team now going forward? Well, again, a lot of people that know their stuff, uh, I can't remember if you changed your prediction or not, tons of people that know their stuff, that are smart, that take their emotion out of it. I try to. I don't always do it well, but I try to. Had Iowa going 6-6 six and six this year. Yep. So we're kind of on pace for that. If you look at the rest of the schedule, you can see an 8-4. and four. An 8-4 and four in Iowa, I don't think it's something to poo-poo. Um, but, yes, it will be disappointing if we're not at least kind of have that opportunity the rest of the way and we're watching Wisconsin games. Ooh, what if this coming week Iowa, or Wisconsin loses at Nebraska? What if Nebraska does us a favor for once? What if they do us a favor besides living in our state and being annoying? That would be phenomenal if Nebraska could pull off the upset. I don't believe it's over. Do I think it's probably over? Yes, but it's only, we're only two games in. We lost to Penn State. I mean, we 
quite frankly, could have won that game, even though they, if you're looking at the stats and everything, they dominated that. But that's not how we watch Iowa football, Trent. Mm-hmm. We don't watch it like Phil Steele, even though I love him to death. Total yards don't always predict Iowa if they win or lose. And you watch that Michigan State game. They had, I think it was six fumbles in three games. And that's what I talk about. Iowa is a team that sometimes needs a break like that. I talked about lucky, whether it's lucky or just getting a break. Iowa needs some of that stuff to happen. And there were two opportunities that that could have happened. Was it the beginning or the late? I took notes. But there were two opportunities where that could have happened, and it just didn't. Didn't. And this team, especially offensively, is not good enough right now to not be able to, you know, step forward when they have those kind of breaks. And they can't afford to have the ball fall out of Nate Stanley's hand at the five-yard line. And they can't afford to have a great fake set up and not get any points out of it. They, they can't afford that right now. There's still too many things. And, and Wolfgang, what's wrong with this offensive line? I know. It, it... We've got one of the best running backs, quite frankly, we've ever seen at Iowa. Um, is he the best? Probably not, but he's one of the best, and he makes people look stupid with some of those cuts that he has, with some of the spin moves. He'll make elite defenses look stupid, and we can't run the ball right now. It's the, the offensive line needs – I'm guessing the practices this week aren't going to be fun for them. Iowa needs to be able to run the ball, and that's what we talked about when Iowa was going against Michigan State. Michigan State does not win the game when they don't run the ball. Iowa does not, for the most part, win the game when they do not run the ball. And you brought up exactly what I wrote down. We fumbled at the five-yard line at the beginning of the third with Nate Stanley when the ball slipped out of his hands. Okay? Then Brandon Smith's fumble at the end of the third at the 33-yard line. Okay? So we finally get into over their territory. And how many times do we have to deal with this just crazy, pathetic, Field position, man. I feel bad for Brian Ferentz right now with how many times we've been inside the 11-yard line starting a drive. And we all know Kirk. You don't, he doesn't run his true offense when you're inside the 20, let alone the freaking 11, 9, 8. At some point, we got to catch some breaks here and get the ball out at the 30, the 35, and see what happens. And then when we do, that can't happen. Brandon Smith, a true freshman that only had one catch before that, I think, Trent, for two yards, mm-hmm. then gets it. And he fumbled. And he didn't have it tough as, as good as he should. I watched Hawkinson later in the game. I love this kid. I think he's going to be so good. And he caught a pass, and you should have seen how tight the ball was to his body. There was no way anybody would be able to strip that guy, and then he covered up as, as he was going down. It's things like that that true freshmen learn and players learn. But we got to learn now, quick, fast, and in a hurry, if I wants any chance to have a chance at the West. Do they have a chance? Yeah. Is it slim to none? It is, but you never know with injuries, and maybe two wins, two losses could do it. Maybe two losses will be it. So Iowa gives Wisconsin one, Michigan gives, gives them the other, and then Iowa goes on. And, you know, I think Iowa's a good team. Are they great? I don't think so, Trent. So uh, you mentioned the Badgers. If they beat Nebraska this week, this is what they have after that before Iowa. Purdue mm-hmm. at home, Maryland at home, at Illinois. At Indiana, that's the schedule. They're nine and zero. They're nine and zero walking into that game at Kinnick as long as they win. Uh, at excuse me, up in Madison, they're winning that football game. They get Michigan after that. Could we be talking about Wisconsin breaking through in a way that Iowa hasn't been able to do? 
opportunities have been there two years ago, the Big Ten Championship game. Could we very well see the Badgers in the college football playoff? Looking at the schedule, if Michigan is a pretender, which I'm not sure if they are, um, if Iowa does not beat Wisconsin, then, yeah, you're looking at this as a breakthrough thing with Wisconsin that could happen. And we think about the times that it could have happened with Iowa um, in 2002 or Ricky Stanzi's junior year where he got hurt. We were up on Northwestern, and we ended up the next game losing to Ohio State with a backup quarterback by the name of Vandenberg that he wasn't ready to play, and we took him to overtime. Iowa just doesn't seem to take advantage of those breaks. Will Wisconsin, you know, they probably will. Looking at the schedule right now, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassingly bad. But they could lose two games. So you brought those first few games up, Trent, though. But they're going to have to play Iowa. Iowa's not a joke. I know Iowa lost. But, again, they lost two fumbles within the third quarter, what, 35 and in? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to hang on to the ball. Iowa can't turn over the ball. So if Iowa plays Wisconsin, hangs on to the ball, and gets at least somewhat decent field position, I don't know if that's being talked about enough, Trent. It's, it's pathetic how bad our field position has been. It has to improve if I wants to even come close to where I still think eight and four is. I'm not embarrassed of my eight and four prediction right now. No, no, they they still can get to eight and four, and I think you know a lot of people had them four and two at this point in the schedule. It, it softens up here in the middle. Northwestern, I don't think looks as good as I anticipated they were going to be. They still have issues with that offensive line. Illinois this weekend's obviously winnable. You get Minnesota at home. I don't think anybody's overly nervous about them after they lose at home to Maryland. We know the the end stretch is going to be tough, and Purdue uh, out of those four is going to be more difficult. Nebraska maybe not quite as difficult as some people thought going into the year, but still, uh, this is a chance now to make hey, Go out there Saturday against Illinois. Don't do what you're supposed to do against Illinois. Beat the crap out of them. They're terrible. They're they're an awful <laughs> football team. Go in there, beat them up. Run the football, get that offensive line working. That needs to be fixed. If it is Gerson coming in and putting the football instead of Rastetter, do those things. But clean it up. You know, this team, that that's the thing. They're not far away. Defensively, they're playing at a high level. After that initial drive and, and giving up their early points, they gave up three points in three quarters to Michigan State, a team that had moved the football pretty effectively to this point in the season. The defense is playing at a high level and I don't feel like the offense is that far. It's a shot here. It's a deep pass there. It's uh, figuring something out with the running game, yes. but And another thing with that offensive line, Tristan Wirfs, we heard all the accolades during August camp about how good this guy is. Sean Welsh, for as good as he is as a guard, and he is an elite-level guard at right tackle, he's just not nearly as good. It's not a knock against him. It just shows you that... The difference between guard and tackle, there is a big difference there, and he's better in the interior. The interior has been awful this year. Boone Myers is not 100%. I, I watched two plays where he was just, he couldn't push off the, the injured ankle. You know, he, yeah. did, he didn't have any push there. It might be time right now, with the bye week coming up after this, Boone, you're sitting out, we're going to give you two weeks, we'll see what you can do after that, and go from there, get through this next game, and see if Tristan Wirfs maybe is the guy that can help this offensive line, because right now, boy, they're playing poorly. No, you have to be, and I think that'd be stupid, Trent, if you didn't. If you've got a guy that's gutting it out, sucking it up, you give him a break. If you've got a bad ankle, if you've got a bad hamstring, yeah, maybe you do have to give them time so that in the later run we're, we're better. But, yeah, some people have been giving Brian Ferentz heck. I'm, I'm still, I still like the guy. I still have faith in the guy. People giving 
Stanley Heck. I, I don't get that trans. Do you? No, no, I don't. Now, he's got to hold on to the football. I mean, that, but that goes without saying. The, the fumbles yeah. are becoming a concern right now. Yes, I do agree with that. But uh, calling for the backup, no, no. It's, it's not a Nate Stanley issue. They, if you think that's what's holding this offense back, you're dead wrong. It's the offensive line. That's what's holding this back. And you know, Michigan State was able to go downhill. But you got to say, Brian Ferentz, that was certainly his worst game as an offensive coordinator. I do think so, and and to Stanley, he had that one overthrow that would have been a touchdown if he would have been able to connect. And Trent was it Vandenberg, uh, Trent? Do you remember that he overthrew that one on? But then he came back later in the game and he completed a nice one that was beautiful. Then there was another back shoulder catch. I don't know if he completely underthrew that on purpose or if that was by accident or what. But I'm all for him underthrowing stuff now because when he overthrew that ball, a lot of those are touchdowns. If you connect on that, boom, that's seven points that we are just giving up. As far as the other stuff, I like him. I think he needs to become a better leader. Yes, I do. Um, I was talking to a guy that is not a Hawkeye fan that was watching the game with me that knows the Hawkeyes and was saying, is there a leader on your offense? Who's the leader on your offense? And I sat there for a second, and I don't know. Is there always one leader on offense? one leader on defense, somebody that you look to, or is there always multiple leaders? I'm trying to think, who's the leader on Iowa's offense? I don't think Stanley's there yet. I don't blame him. You know, he's four games into his freaking soft, true sophomore year. I don't blame him for that. But is there a leader, a guy that you look to that gets the guys together and stuff like that, or is that just plain overrated? Because I thought it was interesting. I was talking to a guy that knows the Hawkeyes and was bringing that up. Hmm, yeah, and I personally don't know who that guy would be. I, I don't know, you know. Who's, is that weird, Trent? Isn't that weird? Uh, or no? Not I mean, necessarily. You, have I you mean, seen plenty of offenses where you could just not even name it a leader? Right, right. Yeah, I, but this might be something. It's something that they certainly are going to need is they need that guy that's going to be the butt kicker, that's going to chew people out. Uh, James Daniels doesn't seem like that guy. He's kind of a fun-loving guy out there. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't seem like that kind of person. Uh, you know, going through Sean Welsh, no, not so much. Vandenberg, no, easily, no. I, I don't know. And, hey, and as I'm going through receivers, there need to find the ball uh, down the field a little bit more to Amir Smith Marset, right? Yes, we keep hearing about his speed. Let's see it. Although yeah. they did throw, yeah, he was the guy we hit on the back shoulder one, right? Mm-hmm. Where Stanley completely underthrew it on purpose. Was that on purpose, Trent, or no? Do you remember that? Do you yeah. remember that throw? No, I, I remember the throw. I. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but he made an adjustment to the ball. And why they didn't target that freshman out there more often? Because he struggled. Much like we saw the struggles early on of O.J. Mudia, he had his own struggles out there. It didn't seem like they tried picking on him a whole lot. No, it's, it's like matchups with any sport. Yeah, if there's a new guy in or somebody that you don't think can handle somebody, yes, go absolutely go after them. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm totally not off the... Uh, I'm fine with the offense. They're going to be fine, I believe. I just think they've been put in bad, bad situations, and I think that'll change. And I think hopefully it starts this week. We should beat Illinois, get an off week, get some guys healthy, and then who knows? Who knows, Trent? Stuff can turn. What if Nebraska beat Wisconsin? How great would that be, Trent? Come on, and then we're all coming in happy, going, hey, you know what? Everything's set in front of us. We can do this. I mean, are we probably going to lose some games? Yeah, we are. But there's nobody. I mean, Ohio State, we're not going to beat them. We just won't turn. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. We never beat them, man. We never beat them. 
Wolfgang, we are out of time. We're searching for answers. Hopefully we'll have some more later in the week. How's that sound? Sounds good. I'm going to jump out the window now. All right. We'll see you, Wolfgang, checking in with us on the Draft House 50 hotline. We are done. Out of time for today. Coming up here next on 1700 KBGG, we have you covered with Kansas City Chiefs football. The pregame show begins here in mere moments as we get ready for Monday Night Football tonight. It is the Kansas City Chiefs and Washington, and we have you covered home and away, the home of the Kansas City Chiefs right here on 1700. And, of course, every Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football game, we have you covered there as well with the NFL and our Westwood One coverage. Real sports talk for real sports fans, 1700. Good night, everybody.